0: Previously on the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. The Rock bought the XFL for $15 million. You know, I don't do wrestling. Wahoo McDaniel and Kamala, Junkyard Dog, Dino Hernandez.
1: Outstanding fans here. We have the best fans in the league. With that ownership group in place, people should feel pretty happy and excited about the potential for the league coming back and for a long-term success. This week okay. the Milan sign rainbow. Of course, <laughs> the Tour de France is yeah. starting out too. So I'm going to have your whole summer package. You know <laughs> if you want to get your European artists.
0: That's assuming you know. you know what you're talking about. With <laughs> <laughs> you, a Euro sports nerd. He's at the Bobby Bland era of his career.
2: We believe in change, and we're prepared for it with new techniques and new approaches. And as for our part, we feel that you're the best pieces of manpower available in this whole region. Let it go out there today,
0: baby. Three,
2: two. All and once again, things. our mighty ship is back on course.
0: Welcome to the Sports Talk with Devin
2: Wade podcast. Oh! Mama, there goes that man. You roll,
0: oh! ladies and gentlemen, the star of our show. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another edition of the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Not sure how you found us, but we are certainly glad that you have. And we have a wonderful episode for you this time out as we welcome a couple of very important guests to talk about a number of very important things. But first and foremost, hey, I'm glad you're here. Want to remind you of a number of things before we get rolling. First and foremost, you can always go to the wadeswordproductions.com website for all things D. Wade. Past episodes of the podcast, things going on with the Friday Express, some theatrical things, some artistic things that I do, and also just to take a look at all of the folks who you've heard on the podcast and other people who are part of the TFE family and all of that stuff. So that's wagewordproductions.com. And uh, again, subscribe so you can get emails periodically so you'll know what we have going on so you can partake and be aware of everything that is going on also want to remind you guys of the sports line the sports talk with devin wade sports line available 24 hours a day to call and leave a message a comment about past episodes make requests talk a little bit about what you think about certain issues answer poll questions and that number is you got your phone ready 832-941-6614 832 941 6614. That's 832 941 6614. Finally, I want to remind you guys of uh, where you can catch us on social media the Sports Talk with Devin Wade page and group on Facebook and on Twitter at Wade's Word. So this time out, we have some fun stuff. First up, we're going to talk to King T. Terrence Harris. going to get into some uh, rockets, some college football, some basketball, some NBA stuff, and uh, whatever else we get. Get into that's coming up first, and then we'll hear from our sponsor and resident DJ, DJ Anarchy. And in the second half of the show, we'll hear from our guy, Dr. Kenyatta Cavill, making his debut on the podcast. Going to talk about the business of HBCU, HBCUs, plural, during this pandemic, all about the move of the swag to the springtime, and all about all of the moves going on in and around the MIAC, the CIAA, the SI. IAC and SWAC so all of, all of that stuff is coming up and of course we have some of our usual features which is my headlines we're going to get into the Lamont award and before I let go so all that's going on should be a great one I look forward to it hopefully you will tune in to the rest of it because it's going to be some great stuff coming your way but first let's get into some headlines In headlines, of course, chaos continues in the United States, as we cannot seem to agree on basic facts. And it's so hard to be optimistic. I need you guys to help me with my optimism. Because in college football, for instance, all of these conferences have medical experts, different medical experts, and all of the medical experts apparently are saying something different. So the Pac-12 and the Big Ten opted to postpone their seasons at least until the spring. Hopefully they can get a season in. Big 12 comes out today and says, nah, we're going to rock this thing out. So you have a state, well, you have Texas and Oklahoma and uh, whatever. What, what are the states in the Big 12? Texas, Oklahoma, and the rest. Kansas, Iowa State, whatever. But Texas, Texas with the University of Texas, Texas Tech, Baylor, TCU. I think to say we've handled this so great as a state that we want our college students to return to play football. This is so so disheartening because the Pac-12 is saying, look, our responsibility is for the safety of our students, and they're treating them like students, and profit be damned not in the big 12. And I suspect not in the ACC and not in the SEC. So it's just terrible because it just, it just didn't have to be this way. I'm just so tremendously frustrated by just the, the ignorance of it and the putting of profit in what I want to do before. What is the right thing to do now? We'll see what happens. And I don't know. I just, I'm very discouraged by the entire thing and it just doesn't make sense to me. And I don't look, I am losing money. I have, I have skins in the game. I'm losing money without college football this fall. Literally money in my Christmas money, money. But, it's not right to ask amateurs, <laughs> and they want, well, they're not amateurs. Oh, so they're not amateurs when you don't want them to be amateurs, but they're amateurs when you need them to be amateurs for the sake of compensation. I mean, they're really not amateurs, but you, you want to treat them like professionals because you have millions of dollars on the line. I don't, I just don't think, I just think it's a bad idea. I think that there are things that we don't know. Cardiac events are starting to happen. We don't know enough about that. We don't know who is subject to getting those things. We have several student athletes that have pre-existing conditions like asthma, diabetes, um, whatever else, other things. And maybe cancer survivors. You have those, those kids there as well. You have respiratory issues that we still don't know. We just don't know enough. And it's not the smart thing to do. And they said, well, if they go back to their communities, they can still get it. Yeah, the difference is they're not going to be face-to-face in a scrum making physical contact, face, literally face-to-face, nose-to-nose separated by only face masks, under piles where you're subject to the the particles coming out of the mouths of uh, potentially 15, 16 people. It's, it just, it is stupid to me to do this if you don't have to now again if you have the bubble concept that's one thing but how how can you justify doing that on for amateurs are you just going to lock them away and they can't move around freely it's a different thing when you're a professional and your union agrees to the to the parameters in which we will abide by the rules we collectively bargain to stay in a bubble but remember this the nba players signed up for this They agreed to do this and gave players the option to opt out and they would still get some money or their money. I guess they get all the money. So the the college players don't have that option. You just don't have that option. And it's just, I, I just don't understand it. And God bless us all for we know not what the hell we're doing. Because if opening up early has not taught you that this is not a great idea, I just don't know. And, and you know, you know, they're going to try to push to have fans and stands and then, and then we'll have super spreader events. But again, what the hell do I know? I just listen to scientists. Other people like the don't stomp on my rights. Well, your rights in when you infect somebody with this virus, but I could go deeper into that because I'm really, really upset about that. But I think it was the right thing to do for the pac 12 and the big 10 and I think, it, I mean, again, the swag was ahead of the game a long time ago. And, you know, we'll see what happens. We'll see if they're able to continue. And it looks like they will sacrifice life and limb to make this thing happen. And then who, who's going to be on the – and th- those are the questions you want to know. Who's going to have responsibility? Who's, who's liable? Who's negligent in this situation? Are they going to make the kids sign waivers? Are parents going to sign those waivers so Junior can go play ball? I don't know. And if you don't, can you maintain your, your scholarship for next year? These are things that, you know, some people are going to have to make some tough decisions, but it's it's not the smart thing to do. And then they say, well, Trevor Lawrence wants to play. I don't give a damn what Trevor Lawrence wants to do. Trevor Lawrence goes to keg parties. <laughs> I mean, not the collective Trevor Lawrence. I don't know what that what him individually? What he does? I don't know what he does, but you know, in the college lifestyle, you 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 playing drinking games and sleeping around. And again, I'm not saying all, but enough of them in that age group. If you if you can if you want to stereotype the college football player, let just bear with me as I generalize in maybe an inappropriate way. But I damn sure don't want medical advice from Trevor Lawrence. Which, by the way, <laughs> why are you playing anyway? You're a presumptive number one pick. They just said that today. Jaguars. Uh, they, they, he is the number one guy next year. So why would you even chance it? I'm sure that it has a lot to do with Dabo Sweeney. You will win. You will win. You. Uh, that's my reference from. Let's do it again. I've done that before. I've done that reference before. But if you know the movie, for all three of you. I know you guys are laughing hard, but nonetheless, NBA basketball man is heating up. I do like. I think. Look, I think that the NBA will go with the idea of a maybe a play-in after this year because now you have four teams in contention in the Western Conference for that eighth spot. Now it doesn't do the Lakers any favors because they don't know exactly who they're going to match up against. But I mean, if you're the number one seed, do you really care? Do you <laughs> should you care? I think with Portland competing, San Antonio's in the mix. How about the Phoenix Suns? Seven wins in a row in the bubble. Devin Booker and company, they're doing a tremendous job there. That's a lot of fun. And you can't say enough about Dame Lillard. I mean, he is incredible. Sixty-one points last night. He he's putting them everybody on blast. He's going after reporters. He's talking to everybody who will listen. He, he it all started with Patrick Beverly and Paul Well, Patrick Beverly and a couple of the Clippers laughing, and then they go back and forth on Twitter with shots fired. Which I may have to recap that soon. But it started with the shots fired on social media. They went back and forth, and Dame has just been on a tear since then. He says he's coming to get. It. He's trying to get that eight spot. He's listening to enough people saying that Portland is a threat to the Lakers. So he's excited about that. We'll see. We'll see if they can even make it in. Uh, but he is fun to watch. And I think just like all of those players that, that have been hidden up in Portland, like our guy, my guy, Clyde Drexler, like that. It's a situation where they get buried up in the Pacific Northwest. And so we don't we don't get a chance to see them as much and they don't get as much appreciation as they deserve. Also, the Houston Astros involved in another dust-up, this time with the Oakland A's. It was a bench-clearing, not brawl, but a a bench-clearing physical interaction between a couple of players, mostly preventing punches being thrown. And again, this was... uh, The Astros are just... They're going to be painted. I I have to accept that the nation and the world of baseball has made the Astros bad guys. And, And what happened, you know... I would have to get to someone inside of baseball to tell me if they thought that the Astros intentionally threw at Ramon Lariano. He got hit three times, which is frustrating enough. It's enough to charge the mound, even if it was on accident. But his last was a, a breaking ball at 78 miles an hour that didn't break and hit him right in the back. He got hit in the back twice. I didn't see the first time he got hit. But anyway, he goes, he's chirping, talking noise, and Alex Centrone, a coach for the Astros, starts chirping back and words are exchanged and Centrone steps up like what's what's good <laughs> and Lariano storms the dugout gets tackled Centrone never did get in the mix I mean if you're going to get look he got 20 games he got suspended for 20 games never got within 18 inches of Lariano but I'm telling you if I know I'm going to get it anyway I'm going to get a couple licks in I'm going to kick or something something it's going to be somebody going to get hit and he got 20 games, and Lariano only got six, which he should have got more. But they put the onus on the coach who should have known better, which, again, yeah, you can't have coaches in the middle of the mix. You see that from time to time. You saw with Tomlin, Mike Tomlin, and Pittsburgh tackling a guy on the sideline inadvertently. He didn't know. He didn't know the guy was running down the sideline right in front of him, and he bumped into him. Uh, you, know, we, you see stuff like that. Famously, Dick LeBeau, uh, I want to say he tackled Haywood Jeffries on the sideline. As a coach, the famous Hall of Fame coach, Dick LeBeau, Hall of Fame safety, Dick LeBeau. Yeah, so you'll, and from time to time, you'll see coaches getting to mix uh, Don Zimmer. I remember him and Pedro Martinez. Martinez, he, yeah, he handled that old guy, and it was not a win for either one of them. As I recall, The overwhelming sentiment was, Zim, you stepped out there. You get what you get. (laughs) So, now, again, that's going back a few years. But you see it from uh, time to time. But in this COVID era, you just can't have this kind of thing. And I just have to accept that the Astros are bad guys. And, and, okay, we can live with that. (laughs) What you can't live with is all the injuries. George Springer hurt. A lot of pitching staff. A lot of the pitching staff is hurt. Verlander's out. Lance McCullers is doing work. And you have a lot of young arms that show promise. But they're not what you need to get back to the World Series. Whatever edition of the World Series this will be. But nonetheless, hey... It is what it is. Astros have won a couple straights, so they're bouncing back. Rockets lose this afternoon. We'll see how they match up here as we get ready for the NBA playoffs. We'll get to that and more in the coming days. But right now, it's time to shift gears and talk to King T, Terrence Harris, of the Houston Defender, formerly of the Houston Chronicle, and a number of papers around the country, a renowned writer. Let's hear that conversation. For more content, go to WavesWordProductions.com. We've got King T in the building, Terrence Harris. How are you this afternoon?
2: I'm good, man. I'm good. How you doing,
0: brother? Oh, man, we're hanging in there and just uh, trying to get through the dog days of summer. We were hoping, I guess you and I both, I'm sure, were hoping for a better set of circumstances to continue with college sports. But it looks like some conferences made one decision and others seem to be making other decisions. Uh, As of today, the Big 12 has decided that they will move forward with trying to play fall football, while the Pac-12 and the Big 10 have decided To postpone to the spring. What are your thoughts? Well, you know, I feel
2: I, like the Pac-12 and the Big Ten, they kind of got it right, I believe. I mean, because I just don't see this as being, you know, th- there being no, no real clear, safe path at this point that really makes sense. I mean, we've seen these kids get sick, you know, very quickly just w- trying to work out during the summertime. And so now you're, you know, asking these kids to, you know, to, to go into full contact situations and be, you know, around people and then maybe around other folks, I think is, is a little bit dangerous. And then there's, there's that, this unknown. You know, like the young brother over at at U of H, uh, the defensive lineman, Cedric. Who you know now has, seems to have some some ongoing heart complications after contracting the COVID. See, I hadn't and heard so I, I think, hadn't
0: heard that story. So specifically, what he got COVID and now he's having some some cardiac issues.
2: Just, yeah, just some cardiac issues. Yes. And so now and then you know the, you got specialists who are coming out and saying that hey, we think that there could be some long term heart ramifications or you know can you know issues behind you know have, having this, this virus and and that could change you know these kids not, not just their lives their careers with their lives, too. I mean, like, this young man is probably going to have to step away from football is, uh, is, is what it sounds like to me and so you know and I think when you don't have enough information this thing is just so new and it, and it continues to unfold and we just we haven't got come close to getting our arms around it and, and really what the full implications are going to be that you know I just think it's too risky you know for these young people's lives I mean you know we're already talking about how they're not compensated properly and, and all these other things and yet yet and still we want to go forward with this because I mean as fans we 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 want to see football I mean you know it's some of these kids they want to play football coaches want to coach schools want them to play because guess what here's the dirty reality of college football across the country especially when you're talking about conferences like the big 12 uh the sec the big 10 pac-12 you know those those power five schools in notre dame their football programs pay for everything pretty much yeah and that's what people don't don't quite understand i mean more so than than even the top basketball programs, football pays the bills in, in most athletic departments. You hate that it would be it, it would come down to an economic thing, and, and I and I don't want to blame it solely on that, but I think there's some people, you know, there's some bean counters that realize how important this is to the equation and how detrimental this could be if you don't have it.
0: Yeah, and if you just pull back from this and look at it, it seems like there's a huge problem when we want to put entertainment over the potential. Uh, negative health ramifications of a disease we still don't know about and and, i mean we're talking about adults many many adults millions and millions of adults who consume support Buy tickets to watch young kids play football. I mean, these are 18 to 22 year olds, and like everything is. is, I mean, even the president weighing in, which again, no one is even. He's he's marginalized. But I'm just saying, even when it rises to that level where people are commenting on wanting to push forward with a sport to watch young people play, these are not professionals. It's just um, it's amazing to me when you pull back and look at: Are we really Talking about doing this? Like, are we really going to take the chance? And, yeah, of course, we know that chances are they won't die from it. But So far, we we have indications of that. But, again, like you said, I've heard the same things about the cardiac issues. And what about long-term respiratory damage? And, and I think yeah. the, the more people you expose, the more chances you're taking to see things that we didn't see before. So, I exactly. mean, I just think, and then for Texas, if you think about it, two of the three Worst states, worst areas in the entire world at handling COVID. Two of the three are mo- trying to move forward with sports. When I'm talking about the SEC and the, the Florida schools, ACC, Florida schools, and of course now the Big Twelve. <laughs> like we, are, right. we have, we not learned from opening too soon.
2: <laughs> you know, yeah, clearly we haven't, and that's the thing that's just probably most troubling and disappointing. You know, and and I do want to see, like you know, and I hope that the kids who are basically being forced to do this, I just really hope that that they get a seat at the table, at the decision-making table on this. And I, and I, I think this idea of some type of student union, you know, a uh, student-athlete union is a great idea because I just really feel like it's time for these kids to have a voice, you know, at this table where, where decisions are being made That it could affect their lives not only in the short term but in the long term, and so because of that, I mean, they just their voices need to be heard, their concerns, and maybe you know, and and also the NCAA should then be on the hook for. I mean, if these kids have continued issues well after this, I think that you know the NCAA should be on the hook for their care, and and if if they're not willing to do that, then I think that these kids should, should and their parents should be like no.
0: Yeah, and what you about know, are mean, they are they gonna make are, is the plan to make these kids sign waivers like they're doing in a lot of different areas trying to say hey you, there's limited liability if we force you to come back yeah, to work oh, or if we force you to play like you, you don't have to but if you do you have to sign a waiver <laughs> sort <right>. of <laughs> oh, absolving us. Yeah,
2: you know you what's know coming. Yeah, you know you know that that's coming. I mean, because you got a lot of attorneys who work for these universities and represent them who are putting this together right now and saying, "Hey, we have to make sure that we're absolving ourselves of any any long term responsibility that these kids may incur." And I hope, I hope that every parent is smart enough to see through that and say, nah, we're gonna pass."
0: Yeah, but, and and I think one of the things that could come out of this, and you alluded to it, is the unionization. Like now these kids and you know you can see directly how you pl- playing a game affects so many other pieces that now you have the hand you realize for the first time yeah you you have a straight you just didn't know it <laughs>
2: you know
0: yeah. like yeah. you you have the power to make this happen they have to exercise it i don't know the problem is you only have a few years to make an impact to try to make it to the next level but at the same time now these guys are really putting you in a position where you might not even get a chance to complete your college career, let alone an NFL career.
2: Exactly, yeah. And that's the scary part. And keep in mind, though, I mean, like, this isn't the first time that the whole idea and conversation of unionization by these student-athletes has ever has come up. I mean, a judge batted this down a few years ago. Yeah, Northwestern. Because they're not – yeah, because they're not seen as employees, but the the, the reality is is that they are. I mean, they they're they're under obligation to. I mean, in order to have that scholarship and to be able to do do the things that they do, you know, they have to conform to what that university wants and their guidelines. So, in effect, they are uh, you know workers or, or or employees of the university of the conference of that team, and so therefore they're not nobody. They're not at the table making these decisions. They're not. It's just being handed out to them, and that's just not right. And so it's time for this thing to change a little bit and start giving these young people, you know, a, a voice. I mean, so that we can hear what they want to, what they have to say, and let's hear their concerns. And if they don't agree with this, let's, you know, let's also, you know, maybe take that into account and make a decision about maybe postponing. Because I, I just feel like. You know, and I don't even know that that the Big Ten and the Pac-12 are even going to get a chance to play in the spring. I mean, because we don't know where this thing is going. We don't know how where we'll be. You know, come January or February. I mean, we still may be in the same spot because, keep in mind, we're going to still have the same dumb president until
0: January
2: twenty-second, <laughs> right, right, twenty-second or something. So, you know, I don't see things really progressing. i you know, that much better. And if this guy loses, I mean, you know, in in November, which I think, you know, I think many of us are hoping he does. I mean, I think that we're going to see this guy throw a a temper tantrum in a way that's really going to affect and cost lives. So we got to get ready for that, too.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, yeah, we may be in World War Three before we even get to January because, like, or, yeah. uh, or you know, he'll have a coup or whatever. You just don't know. I mean, those things are unpredictable, and, I mean, these are extreme times. But, like I said, I, I want to believe that the players get it, but then you hear people like Trevor Lawrence, and I'm like, why, why in the hell would I listen to what Trevor Lawrence has to say about a health issue? These guys go to keg parties and, and knock down co-eds without regard for their safety or anything else so why I'm going to listen to you and I mean, not mean not just him specifically but we know what college kids do I know what I did as a college kid so why would I defer to him on making such a serious uh, decision about the health and well-being of thousands of student athletes around the country which you know they, somehow people try to validate well they want Trevor Lawrence wants to play so that must mean it's okay to play I don't give a damn what Trevor Lawrence
2: has to say about playing exactly yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> Because first of all, this kid is stupid too. Because when I mean, you really think about it, dude, I mean, you're, you're you, right now. You are the presumptive number one draft pick next in next year's draft. I mean, whether you play or not. So why not? Why not take this time to continue getting better at your craft, developing your skill set? You know, and um, stay with, yeah, with, and stay safe and, and without any type of, you know, regard for injury or anything like that. Dude, I mean, you you don't need this year. If you can get out of it, let it go.
0: Yeah, well, he's probably under the spell of Dabo Dabo Sweeney, yeah. head coach at Clemson. So let, let's uh, shift gears here. The NBA, which is a success story by all kinds. Of that uh, those uh, guys in the NHL are having a phenomenal run of uh, with safety and, and all of those things. And now we see the MLS trying to after the success of the MLS Welcome Back Cup or whatever they called it. They're going to try to have a regular season now. But let the NBA man it's uh it's exciting when you talk about the eighth seed in the west and uh they're doing well what do you what do you think about the bubble to this point as we get geared up here uh, the uh nba playoffs
2: it's great it's great but it's not rooted in reality in, in the sense that you can't do this over a full 82 game season or whatever it is you couldn't do that you could only do that in this way so uh, you know, unless this thing gets figured out, you know, will the NBA just continue to do this kind of shortened type season and then, boom, you know, go into a play, uh, you know, some type of tournament playoff type deal? I mean, it's great for a very short-term solution. I think it's been it's been fantastic, but you know, these players, yeah, you can. I mean, I listen on the on the on the Rockets, you know, quite often throughout the week, and you can kind of tell these guys aren't real. I mean, you know, they're, they're dealing with it. they're trying to be professional and trying to handle it right, but they're not happy because their lives have been changed and turned upside down in so many ways they, they can't see their families, they can't operate the way that they normally would operate. and, you know, and they're doing it in the name of the sport and, and, and being a professional. But I mean, the reality is is that you put them in a kind of like a, a lab, but it's not reality, it's not really rooted in reality for any of these sports. These guys, I mean like football you can never even begin to visit a bubble with, you know, if, if if you will. And and because of that football's gonna always have some issues. Basketball can be contained. We can we see that this can work. But how long can it work? Yeah, you know, yeah. I mean and, and, and that's 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 the question we have to ask ourselves. Yeah, they got it right for a very short term burst. But um, you know, if you took all of these twenty two teams and said, Y'all have to stay here. To October, whatever, no matter what, whether win, lose, or draw, you you did see some people going bananas.
0: Um, and uh, I know that they're starting to bring. I think they're going to bring in the families a little bit earlier. Or, or they're starting to uh, let people come in here in the near future. Um, but so we'll we'll see. And, and I think, like I said, uh, there's so many elements to this NBA thing. Not the least of which is how they're handling the competition on the court <laughs> you know we're starting to see like the Clippers uh, sitting guy. I mean all of them are sitting guys out they're not you know they don't really care because home court advantage is, is not a factor here what are your thoughts about on the court how they, how these teams are looking well
2: I mean you know, I've been surprised I mean I think that the, the quality of the play has, has been pretty good for what, what essentially you know pick up basketball games in a lot of ways because there are no fan no real fans, we should say, and it's just these guys on the court with some with some officials, and and they're going at it. And I think you know the competition has been been definitely really good. I mean it's been fun to watch, uh, and I mean and, and to get to see it from a lens that we don't normally get to see because really what we're watching, in a lot of ways, is we're watching these great NBA stars in more of a pickup style type of basketball brand. And I think it's been, it's been good. The quality of basketball, I think, has been good. But, I mean, and I think that these playoffs are going to be the most exciting playoffs we've seen in a long time. Because, I mean, it does not matter whether you're seeded, you know, one through eight. I mean, you know, you everybody's uh, – on this is neutral. So the best team, the team with the most resolve is going to be the team that's going to win it. I mean, so, like, right now, you know, the, the Lakers are, are matched up, I think, against Portland. Well, the, they, the where they
0: still have to fight for the eighth spot because they're going to have to play in. The, Memphis is in yeah. the mix. Uh, even a uh, half game back is uh, the, the Phoenix Suns 7-0 and in the bubble. So, I mean, right. that battle for the AC, that may be something that they adopt down the road. If somebody is within, I mean, I could see that being a component when things go back to regular life, possibly the, a play-in with the eight, nine seeds in each conference, which this has made this so much more exciting uh, when you think yeah. about four like four or five teams that are in the mix that could have an opportunity to play in the first round of the playoffs.
2: Yeah, definitely. I mean, it, it is, it's, it's been fun in and that not, and not way for sure and exciting. And it adds a different element to the to the game. Now, I just wish, you know, I thought that this was that one year. If ever, you, you know how the NBA's kind of hinted at perhaps, you know, doing away with the whole uh, Western Western Division and, and, and the and the Eastern Division right. for conferences and just having, you know, one big tournament. I thought that this was that year to maybe do that.
0: To try it out.
2: And, yeah, try it out. Give it a shot. I mean, you know, because it's so abnormal. And I think that would have added another whole element of excitement to the to the deal. But I think you know having a having to play in with those eighth and ninth seeds that's going to be great. I mean, and, and uh, it'll be fun to watch. I mean, I'm sure we'll all be tuning in. Yeah, the
0: Lakers have sort of struggled a little bit, and then they get a win against Denver. Which, see, this, this is deceptive. So people will just look at the box score and say, "Well, oh, man, they beat Denver. That, they needed that after losing three straight." But then you look at the situation where nobody for the Nuggets, none of that starting five played more than twenty six minutes. You had Murray play twenty four minutes, Jokic play twenty six, and the the rest of those guys in the starting five playing twenty four minutes. So and they still needed a last second miracle three pointer by Kyle Kuzma to win that game. So you know it'll be interesting to see if the Lakers can turn it back on because they've not really played well here in the bubble. As no. They, they,
2: they haven't. They have not. I mean, and they, that team is still so flawed. I mean, you know, they, you know, they they don't really have the shooters that they need to really make, you know, to to be successful in this NBA. I mean, you know, but you, you know, you do. You have a, you you have the greatest basketball player on the planet in LeBron. You got a guy, you know, and an AD who was, you know, a very good player. I mean, you know, high, high caliber player. But he's also a dude that, that right now you got to be scratching your head. I mean, because he might get you sixteen one night and eight the next.
0: <laughs> right, right,
2: right. You know, and, and you're like, what's going on here? That's not that's not what superstars do in this league,
0: especially during crunch time in these. And and I will yeah. say, maybe maybe the mentality of the team since they clinched the number one spot has not been what it needed to be. But at the same time, I would imagine that Vogel and the rest of that organization wants these guys to play well leading into that because we know that if you're not playing well at the right time, you can lose to anybody in the NBA. I mean, virtually anybody want to ask you about the Rockets. What do you think about the Rockets? Uh, Again, uh, the games were minced by Westbrook. Obviously Gordon is not back yet. Harden missed the game, uh, the last game. Yep, what was it? Yesterday, day before. I I lose track now. Right. Yeah. How do you How do you feel about the the Rockets in the grand scheme of things?
2: You know, I I like them. I I, and I I like their potential to really make a run and get hot. And I think that this. I mean, when you look at all of the teams in the West, I think that they are best positioned to really do something in this type of tournament style. You know, uh, you know playoffs. I think that, you know, you, you, you need great guard play, and I believe that, you know, when you look at, you know, if, if Gordon is able to come back and give them anything, you know, and you look at, you know, Harden and Westbrook on the front line and, and, and Gordon coming off the bench, just kind of, what that would bring the element, I mean, the guard play is fantastic, and the fact that these guys can play that small ball and run some of these teams off the of course, they will force the Lakers to have to play a different way because you can't leave Dwight Howard on the, you know, or e on the floor for very long with, with you know, in this small ball environment because he's not a dominant offensive threat, number one. So defensively, he's going to be a liability for you. And the same thing I think with AD to a certain degree. I mean, I just think that I don't know how effective he's going to be if these guys are moving up and down the court like they can. And I think the Rockets could really create some issues for for some of these teams, and they they may end up, you know, find themselves in the uh, in the Western Conference Finals, that where you know anything could happen from there.
0: Yeah, we'll we'll have to see, but I think it, uh, obviously, like anything else, it's about hitting shots because they're not going to get a lot of offensive rebounds. They're not going to rebound well at all, and so no. so if they're on, cool, but don't look for a lot of second chance uh, opportunities to score because they just don't have the capability they to rebound.
2: Have, no. They don't. I mean, and they—they've given that up. I mean, but you know, I think that you know, more of them—they've done their—they've done their analytics, and they think that this is this could work for them. and I think it can in the playoffs. I don't think it's a great season type lineup. I, I think it's, it's trouble. It has too many problems for the season. But I think during the playoffs, yeah, they could—they can make a run. And, then, and have you watched Covington?
0: Yeah, he's been he's been playing well, and I and I have a growing appreciation for PJ Tucker and what he's doing that yeah. down low and just thankless work because you just got to bang and try to keep okay. these guys make these guys as uncomfortable as possible in the low post, and, and you know whether it's uh, against Antetokounmpo in the East or against Anthony Davis and other bigs in the West. So, Jokic uh, is just a guy I think will give him the blues though. So, but but other than that, I think like I said, Davis, I think he can make life. with with his already inconsistent play P.J. Tucker can make life a little bit more uncomfortable for Anthony Davis in in the low block Uh, oh for sure
2: yeah for sure you know there's no guarantees but I think that the Rockets I mean don't be surprised if they're right there coming to end
0: well, I still would be surprised, <laughs> but like I said, I am—I would be less surprised than I was when this this adventure started in the bubble. Uh, and again, you know, it's it's sort of weird here, and we'll see where the mentality. And the, the mental toughness plays into it because, again, with each passing day, these guys are sequestered. And like you said, out of their comfort zone, separated from family and friends. We've seen a couple guys come and go from the bubble for personal issues. And uh, we'll, we'll have to see how it goes as the games really, really count uh, as it pertains to playoff series. So, And before I get you out of here, uh, the Astros, Astros winning winners of a couple straight. But, again, they, they continue to make news with the scuffles and the beefs and, of course, the big beef with uh, where they had won previously with the Dodgers and then they had a bench-clearing, I wouldn't say brawl, but dust-up with the Oakland Athletics. What are your thoughts on on how all of that played out and the Astros, uh, at least in that regard?
2: It's funny to me, man. I mean, I don't know. I, I you know I think that you got a lot of teams in, in, in Major League Baseball who have issues you know with uh with with the Astros and, and uh, as players and as an organization because of all of the scandal that, that they've endured in these in these last couple of years and just kind of feeling like they've cheated baseball. Which and, is uh, is crazy
0: to me when you, the hypocrisy, because if you know, baseball on a lot of different levels, they all cheat. Whether it is, I mean, not everybody, but we know we've had scuffed baseballs and wet baseballs and cork bats and uh, sign stealing, which they acknowledge goes on, so why like this? And we know that the Yankees and the Red Sox partook in the same sort of thing, so it it just trips me out that everybody is still making the Astros the focal point in this when there's so much cheating and and li- line stepping going on in major league baseball anyway
2: well it, it goes it goes back to you ain't never did that wrong till you get caught <laughs> you know, so so I mean, you know, the Astros got caught, so they wrong. I mean, you know, you hey, you, you can't blame. I I, I, ain't, I I ain't never fessing up to nothing until you got me redheaded, and so that's how they are. I mean, that's how the rest of baseball is. It's kind of like in prison when guys go to prison. You know, if you go to prison for certain certain crimes. You're gonna be judged when you get in there by people who are, are jacked up too. But I mean, it's just how it goes, unfortunately. And so you know, and so they're catching it. I mean, and this but this is all where the mental toughness comes into play. I mean, where you have to be smarter than to not get goaded into you know into into confrontations, kind of like they did the other night. I mean, and so they just which, be which smart.
0: I'm not sure that that was. I'm not sure why would they pick on him, Lariano. Um, more than anybody else again i saw a break a 78 mile an hour breaking ball he down I, I understand his frustration he gets hit three times but the last one was like a 78 mile an hour breaking ball that just didn't break i, I don't i would have to go inside baseball to, to understand this but it didn't seem like the astros would just be targeted and i know mike fires plays for the a's but i don't think that that i think that's kind of overblown by national media if you ask me
2: baseball players are a different breed man i'm telling you and and it and it's all about codes you know and and in that game and with those players and you and how certain things are handled and i mean and it really is it's a it's a it's a different world and i mean and I'm telling you once they you know once they look at you a certain way, that's just kind of how it's gonna be. And I think that that's what the the, the Astros are are dealing with. I mean, whether it's guys who are directly involved or not, I mean, they're part of that, you know, they're part of this organization. And I think right now it's just not a whole lot of love for the Astros around Major League Baseball right now.
0: Yeah, and and, and that's fine. But the problem seems to be, obviously, they just can't stay healthy. Verlander's out. uh, Springer's been out. A number of guys out. So I think that is your your biggest issue right now Uh, they just can't stay healthy and they're running all these new arms out and some of these guys are more impressive than others but that's I don't think that is going to give you the kind of postseason success that you're looking for and it just may not be their their year Uh, because like I said if you can't stay healthy uh, although McCullers has been uh, pitching well so I'll give them credit for that so a few guys that have stood out uh, but we'll see. Uh, obviously, if they can play anywhere above five hundred, they have a chance to make it with this special playoff uh, format that they have in 2020. But before I get out of here, man, how can folks read you? What are you writing about these days in the
2: Defender? Well, man, you're doing a little bit of everything. I mean, you know, a, a lot of – we're going heavy, obviously, on the Rockets and the, and the Texans right now because the Texans are just starting out. Uh, and So, you know, we're, we're, we're hitting them heavy hitting you know hitting basketball heavy too because I mean, you know, like I said they're getting set up to see, you know, what these playoffs are about to look like and and we're gonna be gauging, you know, what the you know, what the Rockets chances are, I mean, and how they could be successful. But at the same time, I mean, you know, we'll also stand on top of some of this other stuff too, because, you know, whether it be college sports, I mean, you know, we you know, we dealt with the SWAC, weather the SWAC I felt like it was the first of the conferences to kind of get it right. I mean, in terms of, hey, Let's push this down the road to the springtime and see where we're at rather than take the risk. And so, you know, we've dealt with, you know, with those issues. I mean, so, you know, you're dealing with, you know, everything as it comes. I mean, and just trying to, you know, be as provocative as we possibly can. You can definitely check me out on, on Twitter at Terrence, at Terrence Harris, uh, you know, also on the Defenders uh, at the Defender Network uh, on their Twitter page. So I'm kind of all over the place right now.
0: Hey, man, we always appreciate hearing from you, and uh, we look forward to visiting to, uh, visiting with you uh, very soon.
2: That was a plan. All right, Devin, it was good talking to you, bro.
0: Terrence Harris with his takes on basketball, football, and baseball trifecta there. Going to take a time out, time to hear from our sponsor, Cobank Homes, and also our resident DJ, DJ Anarchy. On the other side, we have our conversation with Dr. Kenyatta Cavill, talking HBCU athletics, and we have the Lamont Award. And before I let go, this is the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast on any platform in which you get your podcast.
2: knowledge, and technology to guide clients through the process of achieving their real estate goals. Be it buying, selling, or investing in real estate, contact Kofi at 832-757-7950. That's 832-757-7950. CoBank Homes through Keller Williams.
0: The yeah. yeah that is the mixing of our resident DJ, DJ Anarchy. You can check him out on Instagram and on SoundCloud. He's our dude from the VA. Um, coming up now, our conversation. Oh, before that, let me remind you guys. If you have music that you want played on the show, hit us up at music at Productions.com and uh, make sure it's radio edit and we'll play a snippet at the halfway point and an extended portion of a mix or an entire song at the end of of the podcast. Hey, we look forward to having your music played no matter the genre. So, again, music at WavesWordProductions.com. And uh, right now, let's get into our conversation with Dr. Kenyatta Cavill, an expert on all things hbcu athletics the esteemed dr kenyatta cavill the preeminent expert on all things hbcu so glad to finally have him on he's uh, such a busy guy with a number of things going on and we're going to talk a little bit about those things but first and foremost how are you this afternoon I'm doing well. I'm doing really well. A lot going on, but it's it's good to keep up with it. Before we get started, I ask uh, a number of uh, questions to get some insight. How can folks find you? Because you're on several platforms, you keep busy, and I know folks all over the country uh, like to tune in to what information you are able to provide. Thank
1: you for that opportunity. Easiest way to uh, catch up with me, follow me on one of the social media platforms I have, which could be either Facebook instagram or twitter and they're all at the same name which is dr kenyatta kabil that's d-r-k-e-n-y-a-t-t-a-c-a-v-i-l again that's d-r-k-e-n-y-a-t-t-a-c-a-v-i-l and that's the facebook instagram or twitter
0: talk about your programs because i know you have number of shows a number of places where people can catch up with you and where can folks uh check out your, your programs
1: Yes, uh, we do a weekly show every Tuesday from 6 to 7 Central Time. That's Dr. Cavill's Inside the HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Washington and Charles Bishop. Uh, As you can see, we talk about HBCU Sports of the Week, and you can follow me at either of those social media platforms and get that information, or you can go straight to Facebook Live at Inside the HBCU Sports Lab and catch us for a live show. If you can't catch it live, you can come back and check us on YouTube at uh, Inside the HBCU Sports Lab. Uh, And you can also catch us on Spreaker. If you just want to hear it as a podcast, you can get it that way too. Dr. Cavill's Inside the HBCU Sports Lab. And we're on all of your podcasts, if you would, platforms, so you can catch any of those different platforms that catch us. And Dr. Ville's inside the HBCU Sports Lab.
0: Well, you know, I did have a chance to talk to Charles Bishop. But it never aired because we did this long interview, and within hours of the interview, they can't. We preview, it was a preview of the swag <laughs> basketball tournament, is what it was. And so, oh, I remember that, yeah. yeah. And so, within wow. you know, we did it, it was a great. I was, I mean, he had me fired up about the tournament, and lo and behold, they canceled, you know, within hours, they canceled the swag tournament. But that's what I wanted to bring you aboard about because one of the things you look at, not only do you look at what happens on the field, but you look at it from a a a, through a business lens so you really study the business and understand different opportunities that the hbcus have and, and different goings on in and around HBCU athletics, let's start with the swag. Swag moving their football schedule to, and I want to concentrate kind of on the on the big sports, and maybe we'll get into some of the smaller sports. But the revenue-producing sports of football moving to the spring, the swag was ahead of the curve, and I thought that Dr. McClellan had done a, a fantastic job of saying, "Okay, not only are we postponing, we have an actual plan in place, and this is how we're going to do what we do." Subsequently, we've seen other conferences postpone, sort of vague. MEAC is kind of vague. Maybe you can give us some insight on that. But now you have the Pac-12 and the Big Ten both moving or at least postponing tentatively to the spring we hadn't heard their plan yet but we do know that, that they are planning to move their fall sports to the spring talk a little bit about the SWAC being ahead of the curve and then tell us a little bit about the MEAC's plans
1: yeah no doubt when you look specifically at the uh, southwestern athletic conference better on the SWAC as you said, is they certainly were ahead of the curve in fact they're really to this date the only conference that has sub- Put a plan of action for if they are able to play football games in the spring, what that would look like. And they've got great praise for it across the country at various levels. What you're talking about, rightfully slow, so is that they're talking about playing in the spring, playing a six-game conference schedule. They have the option to play plus one, which is a non-conference game, or they can play some non-conference games as a non-conference framework. So they have those multiple options. Um, They have a setup where they start, like, basically January 1st, eight-week period where they allow them to train, they'll start some games, they'll play a couple of games in a row. Then they take a week off or so, if you would, because of the basketball tournament, if they're able to play that. And then they come back and finish it out with the ability to play a championship game at the end. So I think the uniqueness of how they put all it together is really fascinating and puts them ahead of the curve, for one, as you said at first, just stopping the season in, in terms of the fall which you heard the uh, SIAC and CIAA, they were one of the first ones to do it the day before they made a decision as they were wrestling with it. The Ivy League, which is another FCS conference, did it. And then right before the MIAC, I mean, the SWAT did it, the MIAC, as you talked about, they made a decision. And at this point, when MIAC made a decision, they really didn't have any discussions on the fall. But then you had this move by North Carolina A&T, the things that got a little interesting. You're starting to hear now – with the Power Five institutions such as Nebraska, after the Big Ten said they're counseling things that they still may be trying to figure out how they can play a season. You had that with North Carolina AT, a HBCU that is many people are aware of because they've had success the last couple of years, specifically in the Celebration Bowl, as you know, is a game that has the champion of the SWAC play the champion of the Niac. But what does that mean to all the content that we're talking about now? A&T was looking at maybe that they could play as Hampton, another HBCU, independently, even though they're a member of the Big South, said, no, we're not going to play. Hampton has some ideas, well, maybe we can play as an independent, play the Big South schedule because the Big South Conference was saying outside of Hampton they were going to play. But then the MEACs, all of a sudden, to answer your first question, to give an update on the MEAC, they said, well, we are still looking at the spring, and so we might play something in the spring which meant that North Carolina A&T, since they don't have full membership into the SWAC until July 1st, 2021, that means they could not play a non-conference schedule in the fall. So that kind of gives you a landscape of what's going on in HBCU from that framework in terms of cancellation, SWAC being ahead of the curve of creating a plan, and to give you an update in terms of where the MEAC is in regards to looking at they might play in the spring as well.
0: Well, I know that they would have taken a financial hit, regardless, because they are so dependent on attendance. With not not having the big TV deals of say the the Power Five, but with them moving to the spring, have you gotten an idea of the estimate of how much money the swag institutions have lost with not being able to play fall football?
1: Yes, uh, there were there were a couple of um, estimates out there. One thing that we'll look at is, let's say most SWAC conference hover around about a 10 million uh, budget. You have some that are a little two or three million higher than that and some that maybe are two or three, maybe four millions lower than that. But let's just say for this conversation and make it easy that they're around 10 million dollars. When you talk about those football games being canceled, you were talking about anywhere from a million to a million and a half, maybe two million dollars in terms of that. $10 million budget. So it gives you some indication that you're talking about 10, 15 percent of their budget. Maybe some may be pushing it at about 20 percent of their budget was based on the fact that they were not going to get the revenue for those gains. But it is important that a lot of people don't talk about the fact that while they lost some revenue sources, they also did not have to deal with expenses, which includes travel, food, lodging. So we got to subtract that So some of that debt in terms of the revenue is not as big as it may seem when you just look at it from a revenue loss perspective. You also have to look at it that the cost restraints have gone down. The only cost you have now is the cost of human resources of retaining your coaches, which you're going to do anyway, and then the costs associated with scholarships. So some differential that we need to be careful with when we have that conversation about the expenses. I'm glad you asked that question.
0: I want to ask also about the corporate relationships. A lot of industries are suffering on their own, and a lot of potential sponsors or past sponsors may have to pull back, not because of a lack of interest in the mm-hmm. swag, but they just don't have the advertising budget. Do you think that the swag will be able to retain most of the the sponsorship money?
1: Yes, I've had a chance to talk directly with Dr. Charles McCullough, so I can give some real clarity of it that... What also transpired, which was unique in this situation that became a benefit for the SWAC, as you know, there was also the expansion of the conference, which nobody really could imagine taking place. And it was first with FAMU and ultimately with the rival of FAMU, Bethune-Cookman, that created uh, the expansion that will start in 2021 with them coming in July 1st with FAMU and Bethune Cookman kicking the conference up to 12 members um, where they can split in all sports, which reduces travel, which was important. But what we found out is because of the excitement of the brand connection between the SWAC and the current members schools, such as TSU, Prairie View, as well as Grambling, Southern, and Jackson State, as you can imagine, all four states, Uh, To put them out there and matching up with FAMU as well as Bethune-Cookman that the sponsors actually were more excited about coming to the table and they wanted to get on board to lock in their place so the SWAC actually took an uptick in terms of uh, their sponsorship instead of losing it which probably was a reality with the financial situation a lot of these companies are doing but because of the bold move by SWAC it actually turned it on a dime and in a lot of ways, the SWAC was beneficial, which was also an important note of how the timeliness of when the SWAC made a decision that helped secure these deals while everybody was excited about the move, again, of the expansion of the SWAC with FAMU and Bethune-Cookman.
0: I want to ask you about the Celebration Bowl. Obviously, no Celebration Bowl how detrimental financially is that to uh to the conference and how can they come up with a way to maybe recoup that is that something that maybe could happen in the spring if the miac gets their thing in order
1: it, it could have been and they're probably still looking at it from my sources the Swac, i mean the uh espn pretty much decided espn event side that they they're not likely to do a celebration bowl in the spring but again if we get the power five schools as we already know about pac-12 and big 10 postponing all sports to spring if you get a couple of other ones to come along now you got everybody doing the spring espn may look at that differently than what they originally thought so we got to keep that in mind because you're talking about a four billion dollar loss of college football if it's not played in the fall so that's why all this is important and as you said it starts to trickle down but you're talking about a million dollars to the conference so that's why the expansion of the SWAC was so important because now you found other sources of how to get that million dollars based on those sponsors versus what you really lost from espn so there was some little give and take and i think the overall health of the conference is really solid because mainly of the move of expansion. Also, what people may not realize is that their esports is out there. And SWAC is looking at doing something quite incredible, looking at doing esports from a conference perspective, which hasn't really been heard of. Many schools are doing it individually, but not as a conference. And so there was a huge sponsorship associated that from the Air Force getting on board, which was also a significant revenue source that didn't come before that displaced any money lost from the celebration bowl. So right now, I think it's more of a positive and not significant revenue loss, if any, from the SWAC perspective. So I think they're trending on a positive side than being so hurt so much from COVID-19 during this time.
0: I want to go back to the MEAC. Obviously, they've lost three schools in the last couple of years with a and uh, and, of course, Bethune-Cookman and uh, also FAMU leaving. What's your vibe on what's going on with the MEAC? What happened? <laughs> and, 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 again, is there room for expansion on their behalf with maybe a, a, a CIAA school or something moving up? Uh, are there any possibilities for growth there, or what happened to the MEAC?
1: I'll start with the end first, which uh, expansion. they expansion. All- They are currently in full expansion mode. They have said that directly in the news reports. I've also interviewed Dr. Dennis Thomas, the commissioner of the MEAC. And so they're looking at expansion. I personally think that I would like to see them look at uh, some CIAA teams that would help recreate natural rivalries that exist that they have lost uh, from some of the teams that have left the MEAC. And I'll answer that part in the second part some of those CIAA teams that I would say would look at it, they like Bowie State. They would have a natural rival from Maryland in that greater Baltimore area. Uh, looking at Morgan State. And then, obviously, when you go to Virginia after losing Hampton, I would look at them maybe uh, seeking expansion of Virginia State, which would create a natural rival between Virginia State and Norfolk State. And then, finally, um, maybe looking at Winston-Salem State to replace North Carolina A&T to create the natural rival with Winston-Salem State and North Carolina Central. But that's a significant. So there's a way that they would have to really help support those teams moving from Division two to Division one, which could be a challenge. And those teams are actually excited about what's going on in the CIAA. So they may not have a huge interest in going. And so now you're talking about looking at um, historically white colleges uh, that would look at joining the MIAC. And so that's a possibility uh, in terms of expansion and things to consider what took place but to answer your first part of that of what happened i think what happened first was the fact that the geographic footprint for the meack was significantly large when you look at going from famu all the way up to delaware state and the fact that they couldn't get to that magic threshold of essentially 12 basketball schools and uh, uh, 12 football schools 14 basketball schools to split up so they could reduce the travel and teams started looking to move out first hampton a couple of years ago, and then uh, what really caught a lot of people's attention was North Carolina A&T, and it looks like they're looking at a different direction of how to continue to grow their enrollment. They're like at 12,000 students plus the last couple of years. Really great trajectory in terms of research, so that was some of the things they put on the table, but mainly in terms of travel, and specifically with FAMU and Bethune Cookman, I know a lot of it was travel, but it was exacerbated based on what was taking place at COVID-19 and how they would have to travel on planes and how that was going to look very well. And that was their juxtaposition of making the move to the SWAC. And so a little couple of things went on that created uh, what we see now with those teams. And then you have to also add in Savannah state, which thought it was cost prohibitive for them to maintain the division one status. So they went back to division two and ultimately shortly before this, a lot of people, forget that it really started with Winston-Salem State when they could not complete their transition from Division II to Division I as they halfway through it decided to go back to Division II when there was a change in the chancellor's position that looked at the difference of playing at the Division II versus Division I level and thought that they should move back to Division II and stay at the Division II level as a member of the CIAA.
0: What is the prohibitive is, is it a, the upgrade of the infrastructure or is it uh, actual attendance? Is it the ability to have the uh, a comparable budget? What are some of the things that make it cost prohibitive uh, for uh, some of those schools to be able to make the transition up to FCS?
1: Great question in terms of that. And one of the things is the cost to go from Division II to FCS right now is like $1.6 million or so. A million plus. Now, there's some ways you can deframe that cost. Uh, it's usually a four-year period that you go from Division II to Division I, maybe five years in terms of the transition period. So you can stretch that money cost out so it doesn't seem as large as it is, but that's one cost. And then you're just talking about the cost of commitment to scholarships. So oftentimes it's really about how a president or a chancellor sees what level of institution they want. Do they want the brand associated with Division I? or the brand of their institution associated division two. And so that money is going to come based on what is your enrollment. So each of those institutions I named earlier, they're all like 5,000 students plus, or at least before COVID-19, which is much more similar to What the MEAC schools operate at in terms of attendance, 5,000 to 8,000-some students. So they're in that ballpark and that range. And so your commitment level for your students is the bulk of that cost, which is any institution outside of 26, 27 institutions at the Power 5 that are able to make money off of athletics. The rest of them, even in the Power 5, because they share the money supporting their Olympic sports, do not generate revenue. And then when you look at the next five, such as University of Houston and stuff like those, those schools are not generating significant revenue. So are are really operated a deficit. As I said, at any of the divisional levels, all institutions, except for maybe twenty seven, twenty nine of them do not operate in a profit status, which is something that most people don't realize. They just see all these money and they be like, oh, man, these these institutions are doing really well but they operate at a deficit. They have to get institutional money to pay the difference of the costs. And so that's something to keep in mind.
0: So moving forward, looking to the spring, what has to happen for this to, to take place? I mean, obviously you have to get the pandemic under control. And I just wonder, like, what has what can realistically happen between now and then and what has to happen for the swags move to the spring to actually go f- move forward and take place?
1: well I, I will tell you this if I knew the answer to that I would follow <laughs> it up. <laughs> and we would be talking on a jet somewhere because we would have our own island. We wouldn't have to worry about COVID-19 because we would be there essentially by ourselves or with our family or whoever we cared about. <laughs> yeah. Because I would go to Las Vegas or go over there to Lake Charles up to Oklahoma and we we would be good. We we'd take it home. But on a seriously note, I do have some study behind that to give you some indication. And the first thing that is important is that you get more time. And with more time with COVID-19, as they're doing the research uh, as much as possible, we're learning things every day, literally, about the, the disease. So the more that you learn, the more that you can start creating what scenarios will work. We know the basic stuff that you have to social distance you have to wash your hands. You need to make sure you wear a mask. So we know those kind of things. But above and beyond that, what do we know if you do catch it? What are the lasting effects? So there's some things that we need to know. So the more they know about it, the more they can start schematically making decisions based on how do they move forward into in terms of that framework. So that's important. The second thing that I think that you really start to understand is... How are you going to schedule all this out in such a way that you can play all these events around the same time? And so now you start to have time to schedule. Do you start creating a Thursday, Friday, Saturday type schedule? You don't have to worry about high schools, it looks like, even though now there might be some talk about high schools moving to the spring. And so those are some thoughts. But time also gives you the ability to logistically talk about how do you map out certain schedules over a period of time in such a way that you can facilitate all the different sports taking place. And finally, I think what you really need, bottom line, is you need that all the measures that we hear about, the positive test rate, we need that to go down. Hospitalization rates, we need that to go down. Obviously, most and more importantly, God rest the soul of all those that we have lost, because they are human beings and not just numbers, but we need the death rate to go down. And so before any of this becomes serious, The last thing I'll talk about are some of the first things that you're going to look at. Where are we in this given place and time with all the modalities that we're looking about in terms of COVID-19? Where are we in a given place? And more specifically, how are we about state to states within a geographic footprint of a conference? How does that look as you're talking about teams having to travel? So you need not only be protected from a state you need a region in regards to the geographic footprint of a conference to be relatively safe for this to really take place in the spring.
0: Yeah, it's been disappointing. I mean, obviously, it's been politicized in that that part, but also in in the community, you see people to me, and again, I've been banging this drum for a long time, people are not doing the things that it takes just personally to say, hey, because so many people complain, oh, we, you know, we we need to have football, but we've not done the things that we've needed to do. Uh, You see it at restaurants and, and I mean, people lined up around the block to go to restaurants. You see, I mean, when the the bars were open, they were packed. You have a lot of people having parties. It's just I wish people understood that those are the sorts of things that have prevented us from having fall sports in the first place you know so you you hope that uh, the the community and people get the message that hey we can get a handle on this but we have to have i uh, take personal responsibility to reap the rewards of of uh, athletics so maybe it'll be some new fun traditions i remember when the The Bayou Classic came to Houston because of uh, Katrina. So, like I said, finally, uh, before we get out of here, how can folks uh, catch you again? Just remind them one more time how they can catch up with you and uh, where they can hear you and see you and uh, enjoy all your content.
1: Well, first, let me say thank you for having me on and your point in regards to disappointment of what people looked at this as individuals instead of a group effort. And I think ultimately we paid the price in terms of leadership. Uh, leadership from the top oh, yes. at various various levels uh, because there wasn't a consistent message. And when you give people the freedom, which is something we celebrate, but in this case, it was a deficit for us because people leaned on what they wanted to do uh, instead of looking at the collective as more about the individual, which puts us in a disposition we are now uh, because of the way that this virus operates uh, in terms of COVID-19. But with that, in terms of, again, how you can follow me, and I appreciate you giving me a chance to give this information out, is on the social media platforms of Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. It's Dr. Kenyatta Cavill, D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L. Again, it's D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L. You can get all this type of information that you get in this, this interview here that I constantly tweet out, put on Facebook, as well as deliver on Instagram pictorially of what is going on in the HBCU landscape and in general in terms of college football and to some degree the social framework that we're looking at life that we live in the United States. You can also follow me weekly on my radio show as we do live uh, every week, every Tuesday, specifically starting at 6 o'clock Central Standard Time. We go to 7 o'clock. Sometimes we bleed over a little bit for some bonus coverage. And so just check us out. You can see that. On live on Facebook Live, and that's inside the HBCU Sports Lab. You can follow us on Twitter at inside the HBCU Sports Lab to get on content from that. And if you can't catch it live, check out the podcast on Spreaker and some of the other podcast mediums, as well as on YouTube. If you want to see the visual content, you can check it out at Dr. Ville's Inside the HBCU Sports Lab. For Dr. Ville's Inside the HBCU Sports Lab, radio show with Mike Washington and
0: Charles Bishop. Hey, well, like I said, you do a tremendous job. You're, like I said, the preeminent expert on all things HBCU. You do your homework, you live it, and uh, you are the source for that, and, and again, man, congratulations Thank you. Thank you. on all the things you're doing, and continued success, because again, uh HBCU's all over, need the kind of content that you provide, so uh, keep up the great... And, and look, and I certainly appreciate the tweets on Saturday mornings, because you're our unofficial uh, producer, because... You, you, fact- <laughs> I
1: love that. <laughs> you, thank you. That means
0: a lot. <laughs> you, a lot. all the time. So, you know, well,
1: I, I just know that y'all coming in with a lot of live stuff, especially now this stuff is moving. So, you literally can have stuff breaking on the show. So, um, I would love to give it to y'all to talk about it because y'all talk about it in a fascinating perspective. And people that are not getting up Saturday mornings to check on, on Devin Wade uh, in the sports report in terms of what y'all do. Uh, with Ralph Cooper, the Silver Fox. Man, it's fascinating. Beautiful way that you deliver information from a different perspective that people can't get anywhere else. And being at Texas Southern University, as we have a BS in sport management, a master's in sports studies, and sports leadership, you know, our students need to understand the sporting landscape from a business perspective. And you all certainly do that. So I thank you for giving me this time and space.
0: Hey, well, like I said, we look forward to having you. Now that we finally got you in, we're going to get you and Charles in uh, on occasion. And uh, I'm sure Ooh. before things kick off in the spring. But uh, send shouts out to our guy, Charles Bishop, who had a birthday recently. So happy birthday yeah. to him. Yeah, so. I'll let
1: him know. He'll appreciate that. Yeah, I'll make sure he gets a good shout out. He loves working with you on the Saturday in the fall during the football season, being on on the sideline. And so I appreciate you giving him an opportunity working with the team there. And trust me, man, he really uh, appreciates that. He talks to me all the time. I say, no, man, you're doing great work. He does. That's what we're here to do is give people an opportunity. And you did that Kevin. with your show. And then what you do on Saturdays, uh, calling the games and providing people. You've done this in the past with students. And, and now, as he was a graduate student in our program, master's of uh, Science and Sports Studies Sports Leadership, I just talked about. And now he's finished that and still has the opportunity. So,
0: uh, he, he, we he appreciate loves, you. He loves his blue bangles, man. He loves Jackson State. Oh, yeah. Don't get it twisted now. <laughs> Don't get it twisted now. That he, home is where his
1: home is, where the heart <laughs> is, man. He, he loves some Tigers. But them blue bangles of Jackson State University, he's going to let you know that uh, he got an eye over them looking at what they're doing. Oh, but right now, he's been having a little trouble, but we'll see what Ashley Robinson can do as the VP of athletics over there. He says he's bringing them back in. Uh, What he did at Prairie, I wouldn't doubt him. He's tremendous part of the work. So. We're gonna have to keep our eyes on them blue bingers over there at Jackson State to see what they're doing.
0: Yeah, they have a lot of resources too. So, well, like I said, uh, <laughs> we uh hope to talk to you again and thank you so much. No problem. Take care. Want to thank Dr. Kenyatta Cavill for joining us and uh, with some great information, some business information, some important financial stuff tied into the decisions and the consequences of decisions made by all of the HBCU conferences. So, a hey, great conversation there. Now. It is time for the Lamont Award. I don't want to wish you no bad luck, but I hope your ship sinks. With no lifeboats and no life preservers and a school of piranhas surrounding you, you big dummy the Lamont war goes to the player team entity someone usually in or around the world of sports that we deem to be the big dummy of the episode this time out we go back to what was the renaissance of my interest in college football it was back in the days where you had iconic head coaches from Osborne in uh, Nebraska you had Jimmy Johnson in Miami you had coaches all over the country that were big names and big celebrities and one of the biggest at that time was lou holtz of notre dame well lou holtz is uh, like a lot of people he just is at his wits end in dealing with a global pandemic in which we have no control over so like a lot of people he is promoting the idea of playing college football and he he says such so let's hear some comments from lou holtz
1: I think that we shut everything down for six months. I'm going crazy about being quarantined. I think other people are tired of, let's move on with our life. When they stormed Normandy, they knew that there were going to be cash and there's going to be risk. 2% of the people that can, they, they
2: go to the uh, emergency room, go for COVID-19, 2% of it
0: want to thank Fox News for that clip. I got that off of uh, Fox News. So here's the deal. So he says he's been going crazy and we put our lives on hold. Let's move on forward with our lives. Okay, well, what about the 166,000 people who cannot go on with their lives because they're dead? What about all of the people who have spent months and accrued hundreds of thousands of dollars in medical debt What about those who will never be the same because of respiratory issues, uh, heart issues? He talked about the 2%. Okay. All right. So you got the 2%, but that's the 2% with society relatively closed relatively now you're opening up schools and you want to invite players and students back on the college campuses so we know we anticipate you can say with certainty that the numbers will shoot back up as we start to commingle again more people will be exposed to corona so we do know that so let's talk about what we don't know Okay, so he mentioned that the kids with pre-existing conditions, the diabetics and those with uh, asthma, respiratory issues, not playing, and that's a personal decision, but the rest of them should play. What we don't know and what we're hearing is that this illness is causing some sort of respiratory disruption. They're finding out that there may be some arrhythmia attached to uh, some aspects of this disease. We're finding out that some, there's sudden cardiac arrest in some of these issues. These are things that they're studying and learning more about. Of course, we're learning more and more about this disease every single day, and we've talked about it for a long, long time. There are a couple of Freddie Freeman of the Atlanta Braves comes to mind when I think about a guy who really suffered, and he talked about his fear of not knowing if he would survive. He came through it. Now he's back playing i want to see long term what are the ramifications physically on these kids or these athletes as they participate having lived through this disease we don't know yet because again we've not had anybody really live through this disease more than eight months that's if you believe it came here in january whatever the case it hadn't been around long enough for us to understand the long-term ramifications so that's what we don't know But here's why he's such a big dummy. He says, well, we knew storming the beaches of Normandy, there was going to be casualties. So you are saying you're acknowledging that you anticipate casualties from going to play college football. Now, when they stormed the beaches of Normandy, June 6, 1944, It was to fight for freedom and to fight tyranny from the Nazi regime trying to take over and disrupt the world and not the least of which the Jewish population. We were fighting for freedom and fighting against oppression and tyranny all over the world perpetrated by the the axis, the Nazi regime and Mussolini and of course, the Japanese told you. So we were fighting for peace on Earth. Now, of course, we didn't get that, but we we did bring down that regime. So when they were storming, they were storming for the sovereignty of America, the safety of uh, people all over the world. This is what we risked it for. You want these kids to risk their lives, their livelihood, their potential livelihood and their health. So millionaire coaches can keep getting paid. So, millionaire ADs can keep getting paid. So, universities can make millions and millions of dollars, and they're not getting paid. So, you are, now again, this is different from pro athletes. These are young men, and you want them to go and fight <laughs> and risk. Because, <laughs> again, you you implicitly acknowledge that there is risk of casualties. Okay? You said this out of your mouth. And then you go on to say two percent, blah, blah, blah. OK, but there will be casualties and there's no need for that. Not for this. Now, again, I think the responsible thing to do is we have to do what's safe. I think it's a very dangerous thing when we put our entertainment above the health and safety of young men playing sport so again now, and i understand the mentality of football because i play and when i was playing high school football a kid died we played the next week now he he, didn't, he wasn't on my team he died in the city and he died that week on the football field but we continue to play what you're not in control of is a virus that we still don't know enough about and for you to compare college students implicitly state that yeah there'll be casualties for football, not not for the freedom of people, not to liberate those in concentration camps, not to ensure our long-term safety and those of our allies, not for that. But to play some football, get the entire out of here. Lou Holtz, you are a big dummy. You big dummy.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: he is just a microphone. A lot of the foolishness that we're hearing come from people who are putting money and profit over the lives and the potential safety of student-athletes. Now, again, I know the game is inherently dangerous but we have some control. We can prepare ourselves. We can, we can lift weights and strengthen our bodies and we can learn to, to participate and put protective gear on and to make tackles and make plays that won't endanger us or our opponents. You can come up with rules to ensure that, Hey, we are not going to hit with the crown of our helmets. You can do things to mitigate some of the risk but to purposely talk about that in those terms just it's ridiculous and it makes him a big big dummy so with that before i let go before I let go, hey, want to uh, thank our guy Terrence Harris. I want to thank our guy, Dr. Kenyatta Cavill. I want to thank our resident DJ, DJ Anarchy. I want to thank our sponsor, Cobank Homes. And I want to thank each and every one of you. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you. I want to remind you guys to go to the Wade's Word Productions.com website. I want to remind you to call the sports line, 832-941-6614. And I want to uh, remind you guys to check us out on social media, the Sports Talk with Devin Wade page and group on facebook and you can always tweet me at wade's word and finally remember these four things number one i don't do no favors after six o'clock in the evening two i ain't got no money three i'm not harboring any fugitives from justice and (laughs) four bye (laughs) this has been the sports Talk with devin wade podcast remember you can follow him on twitter at wade's word thank you for listening